Mayfield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in Reno. Vegas is here. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company, Adam Hill, and Willie Ramirez are the company at Twin Peaks. We're getting ready for Monday Night Football, Rams and Packers. Packers are pretty sizable favorite. We'll give out our picks a little later in the hour. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So we spent the better part of the last couple hours talking about the crazy Raiders comeback yesterday, which not only included the uh, wacko lateral blown play by Matt Patricia, his design, uh, and the Patriots, and Jacoby Myers throwing the ball back, just a ridiculous decision. But the comeback in general, because, you know, there was a, a tight call that did not get overturned. It shouldn't have been overturned. And we haven't even gotten to the greatest, from a margin standpoint, the greatest comeback in NFL history on Saturday. And you you started to take shots at just Saturday. What did you see with Saturday where you're like, dude, you blew it? I mean, I still can't figure out what their idea was, what their plan was in terms of stopping doing what they were doing early on in the game, which – Part of that was just waiting for the Vikings to make mistakes. The Vikings were allowing pump blocks or dropping the ball. They were just awful. And they kind of took the pressure off of them. They they really looked like they just said, okay, this game's over. We're going to coast. And you can't do that. The Raiders have certainly proven that time and time again. They almost went 0-5 yesterday uh, in games they led by double digits at halftime for doing the same thing. And they completely took their foot off the gas pedal and then couldn't get it back going again when you had to turn it up and try to win the game. But... The story is so fascinating for me on so many levels. One, my favorite part of this story is that Frank Reich no longer has the biggest comeback in NFL history because the team that fired him blew a bigger lead. That's absolutely amazing. It's just such poetic justice to have happened. Uh, Poor Frank Reich. Everything this weekend had some sort of uh, interconnected aspect to it. Yeah, you're right. I thought most... Uh, this is the way social media works. It's going to harp on the negative. I thought a lot of the conversation was not, yay, Vikings, but more like, Vikings suck. Like, they came back and won. Sure. But if you if you had ever – I don't, think, I don't, you, I don't, I don't I, think you could be impressed with either team. Right. But but I I don't – who had this narrative that the Vikes were, like, one of the two best teams in the NFC ever this season? I don't think any – who was talking about that? Like, when we were sizing up middle of the season who the best teams in the NFC were, I don't know that we – we're buying into the Vikings. No. Who bought into them? People who look at record. Yeah, I was just going to say, record watchers. That's it. This is why, by the way, when we talk about analytics and all all those things of what says what teams are good and not record. Right. And record is very phony. Why, when we told you, what was it, about two weeks ago, the Giants were like 30th by PFF. New York Giants were 30th by PFF and I think 23rd by DVOA. And they still had a pretty good record. And then, you know, and then the odds makers tell you, too. When you have multiple teams that are two and three and five, and in this case, like seven games above 500, and they're not getting much more than, a say, an extra half point or point when they're playing games at home against against teams that have lousy records or 500 records. Look, they, they were barely more than a three-point favorite in this game. <laughs> the Vikings were. It tells you what you need to know. And when you say the odds makers will tell you two – I mean, well, I know what you're saying, but yeah. that's because the oddsmakers use those numbers, not record. The oddsmakers right. don't look at record and say, 
Oh, ten oh, and three that. against against four and eight. All right, fifteen right. point favorite. Yeah, they're like, trying to balance out the right. bets, but they also have their own power ratings that they use. Well, they use the same ones that we're trying yeah. to tell you are much better. DVOA and those sort of things are much more important to odds makers than record is. Number three. Uh, one of the other heroes yesterday. Listen, most of the attention went to Chandler Jones for the long fumble return. It was a good day for Darren Waller. I'm sure it felt good for, uh, especially Willie, you keep in contact with him. so, And he's been kind of dragged through the mud. Any sign from Waller with his success that he was like, you know what, I've been dragged through the mud. Here you go. Yeah. Right, in your, right in your face. Yeah. Uh, when he scored a touchdown yesterday, for those <laughs> those who are watching, he waved. Yeah. Gave him his wave. And uh, I asked him after At the home? game. Yeah. I asked him after the game. It wasn't to the crowd necessarily. I, I asked him. Just kind of off to the side, I said, uh, who was that too? And he just kind of looked at me and smiled. He said, you know. And so I asked him more when some people came around, and I was actually talking to him uh, on the record. I said, all right, well, who's the way for? And he said, basically anybody that was there saying, you know, he's not working hard enough to come back. He doesn't care. He just got paid. Uh, people that said, uh, why is he making music videos instead of playing football? All of those people. Wait, he waved at the crowd or the sideline? No, <laughs> just in general, he just he waved right at number four. <laughs> said, oh. How you doing? Uh, no, he he waved to the crowd in general, but I don't think it was to the home fans. I think he was waving more to the cameras and uh, saying, "Hey, I'm back in the end zone." Hello from the end zone from Darren Waller. Did he, and did he wave like this with holding the four up? No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't directly acknowledge his team's quarterback. But I think he probably could be included in that list. What do you think the dynamic is right now between those guys? Do you want to go back on and, and retell the story about, you know, Carr crying and then a story comes out the next day, which seemed to, without mentioning his name, throw Waller under the bus as the guy the Carr yeah, was crying after, over? Well, after the Colts game when Derek Carr cried, uh, which, again, I, I know people go after him for that. I, I, whatever. Um when he showed his emotion on the stage, he said, you know, it, it hurts that it seems like not everybody is is doing everything that they can to be a part of what they're trying to do. And then a story was leaked saying that he was referring to Darren Waller. Now, he never directly said that, obviously. Darren Waller responded and said he talked to Derek about it and that they had that somebody had sent him the story uh, that he didn't read it. But somebody had sent it to him, which I think I know who that was. Um and he just said, you know, we talked about it, and we've got a good relationship, and one comment isn't going to uh, change the years of friendship that we've had and teamwork and camaraderie that we've had. But it was pretty clear that Darren acknowledged that Derek was talking about him and uh, that he wasn't happy about it. So, yeah, I think probably if he really if you really pressed him on it, he'd probably, be, he'd, probably be, he'd probably admit that he was one of the people he was talking about. Number two. This whole Raiders season has been weird, especially after they fell into the big hole. Because looking at it objectively, like what's the goal of the organization? While yesterday was great to see the Patriots get punched in the face, Belichick have to walk across the field and be all mopey and then mopey again and mumbly in the postgame and seemingly not take much of the blame and Matt Patricia not available to take any of the blame. And then the players are out there and they got to answer the freaking questions. All that was awesome. The Raiders winning a game was great, but from an organizational goal standpoint, what are they doing? Are they going into a transition period here? Do they want to be winning all these games in the long run? Is the draft capital and where those draft picks fall 
Is that more valuable? And then the other thing is they just won a game, Adam. How do they actually play in the game that they just won? Not well. Not well. They did all the things that we've talked about them doing in the past. Getting a lead. Again, they were 0-4. That's one of the most amazing stats you'll ever hear. Mm. They were 0-4 this year in games they led by double digits at halftime. And then they did it again. Everything that they've done wrong in the past in those situations, they did again. And got, I believe it was nine, I could be wrong, less than 20 yards of offense in the third quarter. They didn't try to move the ball at all. They threw a pick six in that in that time frame as well, uh, early in the third quarter. They went from leading to to trailing again. And with, ex- except for the dramatics of that last drive and then a gift touchdown on defense, they would have blown another lead. No other team had ever done it four times. They were going to do it five. That's crazy. But all the things they did wrong, and I, again, I give credit to Josh McDaniels today uh, for basically saying it. Basically saying, like, look, that was a gift ending. We took advantage of a gift. We didn't play that well. We shouldn't be celebrating something that we did to win that game. That was that was what, what the other team gave them. And so I, I don't think anybody should walk away from that game thrilled with the effort or the performance, but they should be thrilled that they're still alive. They're still in it. At a certain point, New England had outscored Las Vegas 21-0. The Raiders had produced 51 net yards and zero points in the second half, blowing a 17-3 lead. So we were going to have a locker room that was actually not exactly the same as the devastated locker room two Thursdays back, but the mood was going to be real bad after the game. And like that, it flips. Yeah. I mean, it was it was wild. I mean, I I was you know, we talked about the fact that you know we didn't know it was going to happen. Obviously, we were very caught off guard. Was in the bathroom instead of watching the game, which is great. Uh, nobody was ready for it. Nobody expected it. I was already planning. All right, who can I talk to? Who's not going to be right. I gotta so devastated? Yeah, I got to find someone who's going to talk after this because yeah. you know these guys are. You know, the, now the season is officially done. They got no hope. Yeah. Literally, that was my thought. The season is over. Someone's writing a. Local boy comes home and makes good. Ramondre right. Stevenson, yeah, Ramondre right? Stevenson someone, had the the, someone had the lead for Uh-oh. the yeah, 170 plus yards. Why did you pitch the ball, Ramondre? Not his fault, but that totally changed. Wild. Wow. Everything, everything dramatically changed. And yeah, the locker room was completely different uh, than we expected it to be. Number one. And then there's the placement of this game. So we had Baker Mayfield in a minute and 45 seconds. Rip the hearts out of the Raiders, basically on two days' notice with the organization. You get this game, one of the craziest endings, probably all-time is going to go down. It's like a top-ten all-time ending to an NFL game now. And it's right before the Raiders have to go into a Christmas Eve game where they're going to be reminded they were on the wrong side of what has been called the greatest play in NFL history, the Immaculate Reception. I just think the way sports works out sometimes is just, it's incredible. And these guys are not responsible for what happened in Pittsburgh 50 years ago. But there are, you know, some Raiders still around. We're going to try to hook up with uh, Fred Bolitnikoff here in just a couple minutes. Are you guys students at all of the Immaculate Reception? You ever read up on it, go back and watch it? Because it is, like you pointed out, on this lateral play, there's so many different things that are happening on the field. And that happened right before this play to make it possible. And it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing with the Immaculate Reception. Yeah, and it obviously shouldn't have counted. It, the ball hit an ineligible receiver. It touched the ground. Well, well, back then, 
you couldn't have a ball hit one of your receivers and go immediately to another receiver or you know ball catcher whatever pass catcher on your team it's ruled dead yeah and it also i think it hit the ground also um Um, and and in this case because they didn't really have replay they that game in 1972 december 23rd 1972 there was about a 15 minute delay there's fans all over the field i forget who said it maybe it was jack ham he's like yeah, I'm standing out there. My wife's on the field with me. I think like one of his kids is there. Was, and we're, we're just we're waiting. We're just waiting for the call. I'm pretty sure that was one of like six events we only covered for the AP that weekend. <laughs> so he was there. I think he's quite that old. But uh, it that was, was it, it was a crazy play. I even saw just reading up on it, watching the video again. I watched the video a bunch of times today. That um, the fact that the Raiders scored to take the lead with about 117 left in the game. There was a little bit of flukiness on that, like missed assignments by the uh, by the Steelers there. Like the defensive line, they were blitzing. The defensive line, one of the guys missed contain. Stabler got outside the pocket. You know, he scores. And, you know, after the, you know, after the game and since, some of the players were like, ah, we're not going to throw the guy under the bus, and then they throw him under the bus. But it, it didn't matter. They won the game. But just the way the play breaks down, like we get on Terry Bradshaw for being a guy who wasn't super efficient, but even his skill set on the play was pretty amazing to elude the rush, um, and then have a strong enough arm to freaking rip it down the field. It was pretty crazy. And the other part of it, and we'll continue on this, I don't want to bring it up too much with Fred Blitnikoff, but um, there is a moment where Jack Tatum breaks up the play, and you see two of the Raiders defenders are like, they stop for a split second, and next thing they know, they're turning around, they're like, what the hell's going on? Why is Franco Harris running away from us? Too late. Too late. They, they stopped for a split second. They were dead meat. Isn't Saturday the anniversary of the Immaculate? Yes. I don't know what they're going to call it this one, but it'll probably have a nickname here shortly. <laughs> Every week's hard in our league, as you guys know. And, um, you know, Pittsburgh's obviously, you know, Mike does a tremendous job, and this is going to be a huge challenge for us on a shorter week to go there. So, you know, we've got to go back to work and get ourselves ready to go and try to win a tough football game on the road against a tough football team. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. What a day yesterday, what a day. And the timing of it, that game with the trip to Pittsburgh on the way is pretty incredible. Fred Bolitnikoff knows plenty about you know 1972 and the game in Pittsburgh and what happened yesterday. Fred, how you doing? They cheated. Ah, there you go. There you go. Hey, before we get to all that, um, I wanted to say they cheated. There you go. I wanted to ask you, how did uh, Crab Fest go? It went really, really well for our second year down here, and we had such a great response. And uh, uh, everybody's been so kind. I'm I'm in my office just outside the Paris entrance. Okay, <laughs> fuck you guys. But the Paris Hotel did a fantastic job. Uh, we had you know, Sally Dobler here from the uh, Chamber of Commerce and Christine Bella from St. Jude's uh, Ranch for Children and who we're uh, getting involved with here. So it's going to be great. And everything went really, really well. We had such a great response. And we had a good time. It was, uh, you know, the, a big another big party for us. It was fantastic. We raised a lot of money. And uh, everybody is so kind. It was it was unbelievable. Did you stay uh, around for the Patriots game? And then what did you think of it when you saw it? Uh, 
well, we were saying, oh, no, don't go into overtime. you got to win the game. And all of a sudden, that play happened at the end, and we won a game. And it was one of those things that finally went the Raiders' way. All right? Instead of going the New England way like it did years ago and the Pittsburgh way, it finally went our way, and everybody's happy, and uh, and everybody's excited. And it's... It was, you know, it was a good game. You know, a little boring in spots and and everything. You're, you're expecting a little bit more from both teams, and then all of a sudden, uh, one team gets hot, like the Raiders get hot in the first half, and then coming back in the second half, and then uh, waiting uh, like it has been for weeks. Uh, you know what's going to happen this game, and finally it turned around, and somebody made a big play for the Raiders and. And we won, and that was the bottom line. And, you know, a few weeks down the line, nobody's even going to remember the game or how it was won, like usual. But uh, but we won, I'm happy for the kids. You know, now they have a little bit extra, you know, juice going for them to get back to Pittsburgh and play there and uh, in the snow probably. But, uh, but it was good. It was a good game. It was a good game for the fans. They had a good New England turnout here at the stadium. Uh, but, you know, there the fans from the Raiders and the fans from New England going back and forth so much during the game. It was just an exciting environment to be in, to watch a game, and um, watch us win. Raiders legend Fred Blitnikoff with us. You know, we wanted to catch up with you to, uh, to talk about the Immaculate Reception now that it's upon us and Franco Harris is going to get his jersey retired. What's your recollection? Are they retiring retire just because of that game? Well, yeah, right. I mean, he's pretty good, pretty good player, right? Well, that's the cherry on top. That play, and remember, that was his yeah. rookie year. That was his rookie year, so he gave them a lot of good times. And and for the Steelers, that was actually, it was it, they they were from what I was reading because I was only two years old at the time, so I didn't watch it, and I wasn't a football historian in 1972. But from what I was reading, and you can remember this, you know, the Steelers were one of those organizations that were they were on the move. They were they were getting better, but they didn't. They also didn't win games like that. Um, tell us about the setup for the game before we get to the actual play. What was kind of the setup going into the game, and how did you guys feel? Well, we feel we could beat them. But, uh, you know, in that period of time with Pittsburgh, you know, they had a great team. You know, like like all the teams at that era, especially in the, in the, in the AFC, uh, it, it was fantastic, you know, because you were playing against a team that was physical, tough, and you knew you knew, uh, you knew you're going to have a battle every time you went into Pittsburgh to play, you know. And uh, there's a lot of times we went back there playing that cold, but you know that was that's part of the, that's part of the game. Going back there and you're in hostile territory, uh, you're you're playing with uh, uh, like they used to call our defensive backs the uh, uh, what the criminal element. <laughs> but uh, it, it was great. I mean, it was a fantastic game. And it was always those games with that team that was always battling for the spot, you know, to make the next step to go towards the Super Bowl. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, we lost, and that kind of catapulted uh, Pittsburgh into the run they made, you know, for that period of time in that era. And uh, uh, we don't want to say we're a part of it, but, uh, you know, that's the way the game goes. That's what life's about. How much, I don't want to say special, but how much did that game kind of matter to you, especially being somebody from Western Pennsylvania? It meant a lot because everybody hated Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
including us. But, but uh, no, being from Erie and, uh, you know, there's a lot of Pittsburgh fans in Erie, like there are Cleveland fans and Buffalo fans. And at that time, there's enough Raider fans, but not like it is now. There's more fans than uh, Raider fans in Erie. But, you know, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Cleveland, because of that part of the country right there, uh, there's a ton of people that are fans for every one of the teams back there, which it should be. You know, but but uh, it, meant, it meant everything to me, you know, winning the game because of the fact that, you know, it was a step towards the Super Bowl. And that, that, was, that was the bottom line with it, you know. And, you know, you come up short, but that's, you know, you, 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 know, you reload again and uh, we can't wait for the following year because, you know, you're going to be back in the same position. Speaking with legendary former receiver, legendary Fred Belitnikoff. Um, I mean, 50 years later, Fred, beyond the players that, that are in that game, the Raiders, for the fans, do you think that even 50 years later that that still stings? Is it still as bad? Does it still hurt as much? Like here in Vegas, we talk about UNLV and Duke when Duke knocked them out and ruined their undefeated season. Is the immaculate reception, is it still stinging as bad as it did? With me, no. You know, and, and, and the reason is is that, that that's just part of football. You know, was it disappointing? Absolutely it was. Uh, are you going to let it ruin your life? It's not ruining my life. Uh, <laughs> a lot of guys still want to relive that all the time and what it meant to lose that game. And what happened to the team that won, uh, one goes forward and one goes backward. And that's what happened to us. And, uh, and that's fine, you know, because, you know, you still got to keep going on. You got to still show the toughness that you should be showing all the time. They come back the following year and try to get in that same position. I know you've talked about it before. Cheat? Yeah. If they, had, <laughs> if they had all the cameras and everything like they do now, uh, we would have been one within the game. Fred, do you remember after the game, how, how long was the delay before they finally said it was official? Because, you know, reading some stories on it today in Pittsburgh, it sounded like there was a pretty good delay before they decided it was a legal play. Well, you know what? The, the, the most controversial thing that happened, which is the NFL and officials' fault, is the official left the field and went into the dugout to, and picked up the phone. Yep. And he was in there talking to somebody, whoever it was, They've never shown it. Might have been, you know, it might be like the, the Watergate deal. You know, you yeah. have the guy down It was actually, Fred, reading about it, I think it was actually Art McNally. They, I think they were having a conversation with him, if I read that correctly. Well, then that figures with Art. <laughs> 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 but but, but that, that, that was the big thing with us, is the fact that it took so long, and uh, little did we know that catapulted into today's referees out there taking forever to make a call with everything that's there for them electronically and with television and everything in slow motion, they still can't make the call right there on the field. And that's what happened there in Pittsburgh. The guy couldn't make the call on the field. And that's what they're supposed to be doing, make the call on the field, which they don't even do now. So, you know, so not too many things have changed. Do you got you? Do you think your your seventy two team could have beat the Dolphins? The who? The Dolphins, the, the unbeaten Dolphins in seventy two. Yeah, you, that was that was going to be Absolutely. next for you if you'd gotten by them. We beat them the following year. We won the record. 
We're the first ones to beat them in Berkeley. So you would have ruined history, potentially. Absolutely. That's what we were born for. <laughs> to ruin history. <laughs> Fred, Immaculate Reception, Holy Roller, The Tuck. Now we got yesterday's. What is it about these plays every generation that the Raiders just have to be involved in? It's fate. <laughs> it's following us around for all these years. But you know what? It's, it's, yeah, and that's why I'm so happy for the team yesterday because, like I said earlier, when things like that happened, it always happened and went against us. And finally, something went our way. And, uh, and listen, you know what? The biggest thing is that, you know, now, now New England's in the spot because they lost that spot for the wild card so far anyway. And that was a big blow to them because if they win the game, they're right in the mix again with another, what, four, uh, three, four weeks to go. So, you know, I don't want to say everybody's happy about it, but, you know, we, we went through the deal with New England and they didn't even have a rule for it, but they tried to make a rule, and uh, which was screwy, and we did get screwed. But the fact is, you know, is it, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, but, you know, they lost. And, and you know what? They have a long trip home, like we have a long trip home, to go everything, to go over everything in that plane while you're traveling back, all the way back to New England. But, you know, that's, like I said, that's part of football. Hey, Fred. You know, now, we- now they're in a position they got to hope other teams lose yep. in order to get back, uh, recapture that spot again. Fred, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. We're glad that Crab Fest went well. Thanks for the time. Three seconds left. It's a two-on-one. Sezikis in on the right. He shoots. He scores at the horn. It will count. Casey Sezikis, 4-1 to one Islanders. Cofield and Company. Christmas toys all over the place. Little Paul wears a funny smile upon his face. For Paul has a secret, doesn't know just what to do. So if you listen carefully, he might tell it to you. Oh, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus underneath the mist. Rolling on, Twin Peaks. Come on down, Monday Night Football. Willie's having the time of his life. Uncle Paul's playing. Interesting that we used that uh, that Islanders goal because it did not count. Okay. I was just I'm listening. I'm going. Wait yeah. a minute. That, because everybody up top are like, "Wow, that would have been the dagger." Golden Knights came back, made it three-two, and then they couldn't finish the job. So how much talk was there after the game about the the play at home? Because on the road, it's been unreal. I'm not it, saying people have answers. It's just it's kind of inexplicable how the split is so dramatic. It's it is. It's wild. And and Cassidy somewhat addressed it and saying that they just they need to start scoring goals. They need to be more aggressive. Um, it, it's gone beyond the whole comfortability, being at home, you know, with their family. You know that talk. It's it's more so just coming out and taking charge and and, and sort of staking claim to their arena. They they're just not doing it. They're not playing aggressive enough. And you know, the start of this season, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill were playing phenomenal. They were leading the – they were at, at one point, I can't remember if it was through 10 games or 12 games, they were the only team in the league with the goals against average less than two per game. Their play has 
you know, has, has dropped off a bit. And, you know, you're always going to hear the, the coach defend their goaltenders um, in saying it's, it's, it was, it was not, it's not all on them. The guys in front of them got to do a better job. But the last game, Logan Thompson let some goals in that he shouldn't let in. I mean, he, he, so he's – maybe they're just hitting a low. I'm not sure, but they have to do a better job. Do we get an update on uh, Petrangelo and his family situation? What's going on? I have not heard um, as far – just the last I heard was that his daughter was improved. Um, she was sort of out of the danger zone. Um, you know, she had gotten that flu, and it had gotten worse and resulted in a tumor. Which I, I, I want to say it was a touch of encephalitis, um, which is very dangerous. So um, they, they weren't sure how it was going to progress, but – um, she was at the last game. There was a touching moment before the game where um, his wife and, and two kids, they were there on the other side of the glass, and he went up to the glass. And uh, so wishing him well because, you know what, I was telling someone the other night at the game, he's been one of the nicest guys even when he was a visitor. I remember when the Blues came to town during the dad's trip, and he was great to talk to. He was always a nice guy. He's always been good. Um so, you know, you wish the best for her, but it was a scary moment. But it sounds like she's improved um, enough to where he's back on the ice and that and she's going to be okay. Yeah, they, they thought it could be months. They weren't sure. And, and sometimes, you know, you just never recover. They just don't know the timeline. That's one of the biggest issues uh, with this, uh, you know, problem, the encephalitis that his daughter developed. So he took time away, as I think anybody would understand, and just try to figure it out. And uh, fortunately, what he said the other day was that the recovery was not – it's not done. There's still right. a lot of process to go through and um, months of rehab. It affects the motor skills of the child. So yep. um, certainly a long process ahead, but that she's feeling better to a point where he's comfortable, you know, going to work and going to games and, and going to practice and those sort of things. So um, great for the team to have a back, obviously, with the issues they have on the, on the blue line. But even better – uh, that things are being handled because he's had other uh, issues in his family in terms of uh, his, I believe his niece uh, had an issue as well. So um, they've been through a lot, but very, very good to see him back. Hanging at Twin Peaks. Come on down. You got the scenic views, 29 degree beer, big beers under four bucks, 19 shots right there at three ninety nine. Great menu, tons of servers. All restaurants have tons of servers, but you got the scenic views here. This hour of Cofield and Company is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's the Nevada Sports Talk Hour. You can call the guys at Battleborn from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. Jones, handoff to Stevenson. He's got a hole, Pat. To the 45. <laughs> He's still going, Pat. Laterals to Myers. He's going the wrong way. Sure is. He just threw it to Chandler Jones. Jones to the 25. What the heck just happened, Pat? The five touchdown Raiders. Chandler Jones used to play for the Patriots, but now he plays for the Raiders. And I think Jacoby Myers forgot which Jones was on his team. He threw it to the wrong Jones. Could be. Look at Bill Belichick. He looks angry here. He always looks angry. He looks angrier than normal, Pat. But even if you're angry, you have to hug your friends before you walk away. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. So, Willie, yesterday, what was it like having to walk up to the Grinch 
after the game. All right, grab this bite. This was uh, Willie opening up the beginning of Belichick availability. I think everyone in the room is probably uh, freaked out that, hey, we got to talk to the Grinch here about just blowing this game, and let's see if he's going to throw Matt Patricia under the bus or what he's going to do. On that final play, and it was yes. a draw play. Was it, was it instinctive on Ramondre? Was he given the green light to pitch it if no, he had an opening? We made a mistake. You know, play didn't work. Made a mistake on play. Speak up! You are in a mask, though. See, so you, you, and and your voice is very raspy right now. So you you're not in a good position to be like, can't hear you. Speak up. Exactly. Good impression. No, I, you know what, I, I wasn't, I was more, I was telling you guys off the air earlier, I was more wanting the dang microphone, they were, they were going live back to, I'm assuming Boston, right, so he's on the air for like a post-game show, and so every time someone left the the press conference room, he would turn, the, the reporter would turn back to the camera and go, so there you have it, and, and deliver his report. And go, oh, and now, you know, uh, Devin McCurdy's walking. And he'd turn around, and they go live. But as he'd do it, he'd reach out for the for the press conference microphone. So he was always grabbing the first question. Willie's so, like, not this so time, buddy. Belichick not this up, time, New England guy. I just kind of lean forward, raise my hand, got the microphone. It's Willie time. Yeah, I, I was getting the first <laughs> it's question. It's Willie time. I, I wanted that first question. So Because here's the thing. Once the question was asked... You weren't going to be able to get it again. You were just going to get cut off. Because what I, he did, he, he did talk about it a little bit more as it went along. Yeah, right? but he just kept saying that was a bad. We made a mistake in the play. If Belichick had any sense of humor or irony at all, he had a perfect opportunity yesterday. You know who they're playing next, right? On to Cincinnati. Ah, oh. that's who they're playing next. Would have been easy. Where was the? Where was that? Was that supposed to be a lateral? What happened there? We're out of Cincinnati. Perfect. It almost would have been acceptable. I went back. Um, I was trying to figure out what to lead with from my story for AP, and I decided to go back and when I got upstairs and listen to the, his entire press conference. In four minutes, I think in two seconds, he used the word mistake ten times. He just kept, he decided that, that every time somebody asked about a different play. Yep, yeah, well, we made a mistake. Obviously, that was a mistake on that one too. Well, obviously, that was a mistake on that one too. Yeah, well, that was a mistake. Too. Did he elaborate on the mistake? Was it a player's mistake or a Matt Patricia mistake or he his did. mistake? He didn't, and I would have loved to follow. Well, he up. did. They, they, they. I mean, he you have to not, read between the lines. Well, he just. He, Everybody he, said the play was a draw. The play was a draw. That's what it was. Player he, said it. He kind of said he it. He said he said the play didn't work. That right. the mumble part on that it worked, on that. It he, worked. Said, he said the play didn't beautifully. Work. Play was unless, a draw. unless it was a draw to. Drop down three yards after the right. you know after getting the ball. Right. He he still didn't answer my question. My question was: Did, did he have the green light to pitch? What? what no, it's a draw. So there's no, there's between no, the lines. Draws do not have pitch plays on them. It, this is it's the whole. Keep going, Bill. That's a good answer. No, why? That's what he should have said. Throw your, now you're just going to specifically throw one of the bus. Look, he didn't call that play. He's not going to get. By I, the way, I, this is a ridiculous way to answer questions. We're adults. It. You can mention it's a fine. player or players made a mistake. You're not going to crush well, their got, spirit. He, and guess it was what? A mistake. It's Bill Belichick. He can do it if he wants, and he's not going to destroy someone. Bill, should you, mistake. you don't you, have to cover did you make for a everyone. Mistake? Did you make a mistake in calling that play? Nobody called that. That's not, a, that's not the play. 
Yeah. What is a draw? No, did you make a mistake and call it a draw? If, if, if you would have told me before the play that a guy was going to start pitching the ball and throwing it all over the place, yes, that was a mistake. Whose mistake? Ramondre's or Jacoby Myers? It was both. Or it, Mac Jones for getting it was Ramondre Stevenson's. Uh, it was Ramondre Stevenson's mistake, period, because then everybody else made ones. But if, if he didn't initiate, then nothing would have taken it. It's Ramondre's mistake in making the well. initial pitch. Or not even, or you know what? In not going down. Hey, Ari, give me, uh, whenever I got to play the rest of the Patriots call, first of all, give me the, the first Patriots call, the, the beginning of the play and, and the touchdown. Jones will give it to Stevenson. He's started right. He runs it up the middle, hit by Chandler. Jones slips and hit across the 45 with a stiff arm. Off a tackle at the 40. He lost the football. And Jacoby Myers picks it up. He circles back and he throws it across the field. Oh my Jones God. is picked up by Chandler Jones. He breaks away to the 30. He runs to the 20. He runs to the 10. He runs to the end zone. Good night. Good night. Good night, Zolak and Bob Sochi. And great opposing team call on the Patriots Radio Network. So let's listen to how Zolak reacted in, in real time here because he, he wants heads to roll. This might be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen. And a victory for Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You think Miami was bad? We're down here, the miracle of Miami? This is a heads roll type freaking play right here. Oh, my God. Ramondre Stevenson's head ain't rolling because he's one of the best things they got going. I don't know what's going to happen with Jacoby Myers long term. And I would assume that Belichick is going to stick with this horse's ass approach of having a slovenly defensive expert who didn't look like much of an expert when he was a coach in Detroit. I would assume that Patricia experiments over. So that could be the the head and the body that eventually rolls. So – I, I told you something earlier about potentially having a uh, what is that? some information about what happened. Uh, I walked. I was leaving the stadium last night with a couple colleagues, and uh, one one of my coworkers, Cassie Soto, you hear on the station sometimes. She she said, "What is going on in there?" And we turned into one of the booths, and you know, there's many many booths up in the press box at Allegiant Stadium. Somebody had left their booth completely trashed. And I said, I will guarantee you without knowing this, that's the Patriots radio booth. What? I will guarantee you they went ballistic in there and just went nuts and everything is just in there. So we took a picture and we later confirmed, yes, indeed, that's the Patriots radio booth. So I'll show you that. I think that they just, I don't know if they banged their table and just threw everything. They literally just threw papers and trash everywhere all over the booth and just left it there. I assume it was on the play. That they just got so mad, they just started punching the table and let everything fly. You're going to send that out, right? That's outrageous. Was it? Wait, was it the radio team or was it the coach? The coach? No, it's the radio team. Was in the coach's box. No, why the radio. would you leave all? I mean, even if you didn't get mad, why would you just leave all that stuff on the floor? What is with these animals? <laughs> First, we had in the facility before the uh, the preseason game, we had a guy taking a piss with the door open as everyone's trying to talk to whoever was up on the dais. And now these guys leave their booth trashed? Boston. This is insanity. for you. All right, well, here's I, – I, I assume it was Zolak. Give me more Zolak. Chandler Jones, originally a Patriot. Jacoby Myers throwing it back across the field. Jones intercepts, and he runs through Mac Jones, tried to bring him down, gone for a game-winning score. Big-time player, moneymaker.
Guy's had a hell of a career. I don't know what Jacoby Myers is doing or who the hell he's throwing the ball to. The quarterback's going to run 50 yards? Oh, give me a break on there, this. There's been a saying that the Patriots coaches have had for a long time. you got to know when the journey is over. And unfortunately, the Patriots, Stevenson Myers didn't realize it. And the playoff journey right now is in real question for the night, Patriots night. after night. that return by Chandler Jones. 30-24, Las Vegas wins it. Yeah! I can't hear that enough. Can't hear that enough. And now we find out that they trashed our radio booth at our stadium. Taxpayer! We paid for that! Who cleans that up? Well, the tourists. The tourists. It's Adam's money! The tourists. Willie's money! What if that table's broken across, right? Good check. Who's going to pay for that? Well, we are. Boston media. Charge the Patriots. This needs to be a big controversy. Get it out there. Patriots fans got all pissed off at you guys for sending out a photo of the Cole touchdown. Imagine what they're going to do when you try to out their broadcaster for trashing the radio booth, listen, the, the opposing radio booth. Listen, the best thing. So glad you showed that to me. The best the thing the show. to be posted, the best video to be posted from yesterday's game had nothing to do with the game, but it was a video in which Cassie Soto was supplied during halftime of the RJ crew, one Soto, Sam Gordon, and Adam Hill grooving in unison to T-Pain. It was a good show. A good halftime show. I mean, there was a lot of dancing going on in the, in the uh, press box. And those three weren't even the highlight dancers. There was another person at the other end. That was disturbing. It was... It could have went viral. I'm actually very distracted. We're just throwing things around now. Uh, I'm very distracted right now. There's a massive story in the AFC West. We're at Twin Peaks. You're like, I'm very distracted right now. I'm like, what's going on? No, there's a huge story in the AFC West. I don't know if you've seen this. Is, uh, it, is it one of the arrests? What's going on? It is. Yes. It is. Yes. We got more news on it? What's going on? Well, just I, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but yes, Chief Saholic. Uh, what? He is a super fan, one of the most well-known. You, you are an idiot. One of their most JC well-known JC Jackson fans. got arrested today. I thought you were no, going to no, have no. an update on that. No, Chiefs. this is way better. Chief Saholic is a super fan of the Raiders. You know, the Raiders have their super fans. Everybody knows who they are. Chief Saholic, very well-known in the in the Chiefs fan community. Uh, he goes to every game, home and road. Uh, Big-time fan, always wears the wolf mask, if you've seen him. Uh, goes to every game, home and road. People are like, oh, this, this guy's traveling. He must have a lot of money. That's cool. Apparently, he funds those trips. By stopping on the road trip and robbing banks. No. He was not in Houston this weekend, probably why they struggled. Everybody's like, what happened? Where's Chief Saholic? He's not here. It's the first game he's missed. Go check on him. People are checking on social media. People are like, can we send the police to check oh, yeah. for where Chief Saholic right. is? They know. They know. Yeah. He's in jail. He got busted on the way to the Texans game. They had, a, they had an armed robber who was their biggest fan, one yeah. of their biggest fans, and he funded it. Who, by the way, by robbing joints on the way on the there's, road. There's pictures of Pat Mahomes giving him shoes. Like the, oh, he's part no. of the whole oh. fabric, the whole fabric of the Chiefs community, uh, and he's gone down. That's probably not going to any games for a while. No. And by the way, we have to find out details. But part of the arrest report said he was wearing a mask. If he's wearing that same fan wolf mask. This is going to be the greatest robbery video of all time. So many stories this week. So many stories this week. Thanks to Twin Peaks for hosting the show tonight. Willie's going to be giving out prizes hanging out here. Twin Peaks for the Packers. 
And the Rams. Who's picking the Rams? Baker Magic. Come on. To win or to cover? To cover. I got him to cover. All right. Four bucks on this, the big game. This is a Rams bar. Get down here. Shots. 19 of them. Just under four bucks. Select appetizers. Two, four, and six dollars. Thanks to Willie. See you, Willie. Fighting a cold, getting through it. We appreciate it. Adam, excellent job. Make sure you follow Adam for follow up on the uh, Chiefs of Chiefs of Chiefs of Holic. I don't think he's tweeting for a while. <laughs> and Angel down here as well. We'll see you.